0: You're listening to, by the way, a podcast about contemporary art news. My name is Eric. I'm an artist and an art professional here in Stockholm.
1: And my name is Ando. I'm a podcaster
0: and an artist here in Copenhagen. And today we're talking about maybe having to sell your daughter into slavery to pay the bills. (laughs) How about we get started? All right. So... Normally, for uh, some of our new listeners, we would be presenting, or I typically would be presenting two stories uh, to Ando and getting his reaction. Uh, Today, I think this one has probably enough legs, so I'm going to go with one. This is actually a story that you sent me a link to, but you promised you weren't going to read it and keep yourself ignorant,
1: so hopefully you have. You know what's hilarious is I actually don't even remember what that was. I remember I sent it to you and I remember being like, this is a good story. And I I honestly do not remember what it was. So you play stupid very well then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, so the story that you sent me that you don't remember uh, is about Documenta 14. So this is one that – is for some reason just keeps sticking in the headlines right now. Uh, Documenta is a contemporary art exhibition that's uh, started in 1955 and it's realized every five years in Kassel, Germany. Uh, this past year, so Documenta 14, was curated by a Polish curator named uh, Adam Simchik. I probably butchered it because I don't speak Polish, but hey. Uh, it was decided to hold the exhibition as well in Athens, Greece. So for the first time, it was a multiple-city type of uh, event, mm-hmm. and they tried to actually expand it in a 50-50 type of way. I think mm-hmm. they've done a couple satellites, but very small. All right. uh, uh, the reason that they wanted to expand uh, to Greece, and specifically Athens, is they wanted to call attention to the failings of the capitalist system that allowed Greece to nearly bankrupt itself. Uh, and only after doing uh, so... You know they they nearly bankrupted themselves. They needed a bank bailout to recover uh, as a country, and it's about a decade later, and they still haven't completely recovered yet.
1: Oh, the um, foreshadowing is sweet.
0: Oh yeah, right irony. <laughs> so a few weeks ago, there was a German uh, local newspaper that reported that Documenta blew through its allotted budget. You want to guess what the budget for Documenta was, by chance?
1: Oh yeah, that's a good question because I do not remember. I would say the allotted budget for Documenta is a hundred million euros.
0: Oh, all right, you're more generous than they were. Uh, you know, the the council or whoever they uh, gave it. It was a forty four million U uh, okay. S dollars. So, and the problem was that they actually overspent by nearly twenty percent. So about eight point five million dollars. Uh, it's important also to note at this point that. The way that Documenta set up, that the city of Kassel and this uh, German state of Hesse, where Kassel is, are shareholders in the entity that is Documenta, so they're on the hook for everything. So, after the news broke by this uh, this German newspaper that there was dramatic overspending, uh, the blame game started, and you know, the it's kind of murky on who is to blame for what, but the. The, the general thing that you can say is absolutely poor management and oversight can be uh, blamed for essentially or getting really darn close to destroying Documenta and any future Documentas uh, because right. of this.
1: And it bears mentioning that Documenta is a very important uh, event in the art world.
0: Yeah, it's, it's uh, known because they have you know, big budgets, they do big projects that can't usually uh, be realized without an institution like Documenta. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take in a bunch of artists from all over the world. They and... commission
1: a lot of works.
0: Absolutely. And it, it, yeah, they give the artists a lot of freedoms that typically artists can not afford or get the opportunity to do. Mm. Now, with that being said, they have got criticism in the last few years. Uh, Jerry Saltz was one that pointed this out that I think this was in the last, or maybe it was two reiterations of it ago that the documented talks about how well they spread and reach and bring in artists that might be underrepresented or, you know, don't have gallery representation at all. Uh, but he noticed that something like 20 or something of the artists out of the roughly let's say 200 came from one gallery in new york (laughs) so yeah there's always something yeah so there's mission statements and then there's actual uh like execution as well so sure
1: but that's the art world that is it doesn't surprise me yeah um
0: and you know this this overspending nearly uh bankrupt the the uh the fair and just to put this in context, they, they overspent by $8.5 million. Now there's a Canadian art fair, uh, that in 2016, they overspent by 200,000. And Mm -hmm. obviously they're a smaller fair. Um, and that's why, you know, 200,000 is a much bigger deal, but they have canceled the 2018 biennial fair of this because of that overspending. They can't make up for those losses now. And, that fair may not ever happen again just by that, that percentage.
1: Right. It's going to be twice as hard to uh, to, to get that off the ground after canceling one of, one of them.
0: Absolutely. Um, and I would like actually at this point tell any of the listeners that are interested uh, to listen to your episodes of the Chart uh, podcast that you did of the Chart Art Fair in Copenhagen. Um, that was your intro to Chart. I don't know if you remember what episode was that, about 114 or 108?
1: No, uh, it's episode 104, I think. 104. Okay, see,
0: 114, you know. (laughs) Uh, Because in that you talk about uh, the structure in which Chart is set up, and I think that's very unique that you pointed out that they're a not-for-profit, and any uh, shortfalls are made up by the three essentially owners of Chart, And any windfalls are automatically reinvested as a cushion to the next one to hopefully avoid the shortcomings.
1: So yeah, the five um, owners, but yeah.
0: Oh, is it five? I'm sorry. Yeah. Um,
1: But yeah, yeah, and I think that you know, as I become more and more aware of how the art world functions, these sort of these these budgeting things really start to become very political. It's interesting, you know, as a person who is trying to make a living in the art world. Uh, there's such an onus on doing things for free that I'm starting to realize. Like, wait, some of these places have a quite large operational budget, and the thing that happens is like, of course, you can blow through eight million extra in no time. I understand that, but uh, you know, no matter what the budget is, it's a matter of percentages and just keeping an eye on it, right? I mean, it,
0: absolutely, and just knowing it, it's actually it's just basic management. Uh, knowing what you have, what your your costs are gonna be if you're in and out. Um, if you can't balance the books, that's a, that's a part of a, a successful exhibition. It's not just what is given uh, visually to the audience that comes. If you can't do something successfully on budget, you can't do it again. So mm. it's actually harmful uh, in the long term because it's like right. you know it's like a sixteen year old cashing their first work check. And going out and spending all of it at Taco Bell instead of, yeah, I don't know, putting twenty bucks away in the bank so that you know later in the year they can go up skiing or something like that. Not well, worse than that,
1: they not only spent their whole check at Taco Bell, they also just spent Daddy's half of Daddy's check over at the uh, shoe store. So now Daddy's pissed off.
0: Oh, and then they have to go to the doctor because they just ate
1: Taco Bell. So. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it seems like. Uh, well, okay, so now the blame game has started, right? Yeah, yeah. So l- whose let me head j- is going to roll?
0: Well, so yeah, so there's the the blame game it mostly lies right now at this point uh, on two groups. There's the curatorial team that you know is led by Adam Sh- uh, Simchick, mm-hmm. uh, and I think let's say there's right around twelve, fifteen people that would kind of be at the core of that, as well as this one. You know, I don't think this guy's going to get uh, out of this one scot-free, is the mayor of Castle because he is at the end of his kind of term. He's going to be retiring leaving, and for a part of his legacy, he thought, yeah, whatever, I'll, I'll approve this. Big. I'll approve it, exactly, and thought that that was okay. So he actually, on the political side, you talked about politics getting into this all the time. He thought he could use this as a little feather in his hat on the way out of office does
1: not appear to be the case.
0: (laughs) Nope, nope. It's going to actually be the uh, skid mark in the underwear at the end of his career instead.
1: But the Uh, thing is like – okay, I always have questions like this whenever uh, a a state institution or a public run uh, fuck-up happens. mm -hmm. Who signed off on the budget? Because if the curatorial team said, look, we need 8 mil and some guy was like, killer, here's 8 mil. Don't even worry about it. Then it's not their problem, right?
0: Yeah. So in this case, the way that I understand it is you have the board members of Documenta that were essentially using the last Documenta uh, budget to kind of go off of. Mm-hmm. And then they might have allocated, fit a little here or there. They then allocated that money. Then the curatorial team was brought
1: in after. Right. So they're so not in charge of the final budget. They they're get not in charge budget of the final to work b- with.
0: Exactly, and so that's where the curatorial team is then responsible to follow the numbers. They might have presented some stuff along the way and said, "Hey, we might need an extra, you know, four percent here or a little ten percent there on uh, a particular part over this five-year, you know, period between exhibitions." But ultimately, the board members gave them a budget to start with to work within. Um, yeah. the curatorial group are supposed to, you know, foresee complications and costs and come in below those like a contractor building a building. And if they can't, they need to ask for that money so it can be, you know, allocated prior. You know, uh, most things do go over budget. That's not a surprise, but when you're going 20% over budget, that's the big thing. The other part that makes it uh, kind of a scandalish type of thing or such a problem is like I said at the very beginning, remember who the part of the shareholders are. It's the city of Kassel in the state of Hassa. So this is where the irony comes back as well. Remember the Greece part, the Athens, Greece, the bank bailouts, the city. So the taxpayers have had to come in and bail out documenta to keep it open uh, through the duration of its exhibition period. And they are the ones online now to the creditors, and they are the ones that, saying, that are saying documenta is liquid enough to continue and that they'll receive the rest of their debts. I think uh, the city of Kassel or the state of Hassa uh, put up three and a half million euros of, you know, towards the debt. Um,
1: I so, think that's hilarious that they had to go hat in hand and say, look, we made an ambitious fair." Looking at the uh, systematic financial problems with public institutions in a country and uh our own systematic financial issues caused us to lose eight million euros while doing this fair
0: exactly that's the great part uh then the so so let's see uh one issue is uh that that is very strange too i find is that there was a a blame of also lack of revenue on this whole project. So the income uh, from the project. Mm. And one, one thing is they had all these visitors, but in castle, they charged people in Athens. It was free. And so there was eight and a half, uh, 850,000 visitors to castle and 330,000 to Athens. Even if they charged them five euros a pop, you know, you're sitting pretty darn nice. You're not going, you know, uh, you're not blowing through your, your budget as much. Right. You're it's one a and a half million
1: game. right there in ticket sales.
0: Exactly. And that's at five euros. And we know five euros is
1: way too cheap. So, um, but I mean, again, that should have been budgeted. They knew they can have some sort of revenue projection based off of ticket sales, right? I mean,
0: but this is the funny part the curators are trying to make this statement about capitalism. So that's why it was free.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you still have to make a fucking budget though.
0: Absolutely. You still have to remember things cost. Uh even in a socialist uh communist society things it, money money makes the world go round. You got to you got to have the your incoming and your outgoing they have to match up
1: if Dude, not. All those curators got paid. Everybody got paid.
0: The 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 head curator Adam Simchik, he actually uh I saw received right around a hundred thousand euros per year in his role, oh. so let's just say, and he's the head one, everybody makes a little less than him. his mm-hmm. team is ten to you know fifteen uh people right there you're looking at let's just call it right there a million euros mm-hmm. in salary over a f-
1: four year period but, I mean, I, I, for the record, I don't think that's a problem. It all goes back to the fact that they used money they didn't have. That's the problem.
0: Oh, sure, yeah. I, And being you and me in the arts, uh, I think people need to get paid uh, a living wage and a competitive salary.
1: Uh, and people work their fucking asses off. There's no doubt about it that putting together Documenta has to be one of the most insane, gnarly, hardest jobs ever. Oh, for sure.
0: So, yeah, I'm not complaining about the the salary, but you just look at the salaries, and you're like, okay, these guys are getting paid very well. Mm. To they're do getting paid enjoy. enough
1: to keep that motherfucker on budget.
0: Yeah, to give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but who's um, gonna
1: like? So it's unclear who's gonna eat it at this point.
0: Yeah. It, well, it, most likely it's gonna be the taxpayers. As oh, we, right. They always yeah.
1: are the ones who eat it.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and you know the curatorial team also tried to make the claim that. They brought in more people into the city, so the cultural value that they added is okay for the extra expenditures. And it's like right. well, which
1: that, that that's true. Aside from the extra expenditures part, if if
0: you're in the arts, but if you're somebody who doesn't go see art, doesn't care about art, cultural value is crap. Yeah. You know, that's like p- paying me in Monopoly money.
1: Um, <laughs> well, it does bring actual taxpayer money. I'm a believer that culture brings tourism and, and people sleeping in hotels and, uh, you know, food on plates, et cetera. It, it absolutely does.
0: Um, so I, I, I just don't think they should put all their eggs in the, that basket of we bring so much cultural value and, you know, be all pompous like that. I think it's um, hard
1: to come at someone who you just use their money uh, with that. I mean, the question to me, like, is this going to have political ramifications? Because obviously, there has to be some sort of public acceptance uh, to use the money on something like this. And as much as we know that Document is an important event, you're right. The average auto mechanic probably thinks it's a bunch of fucking ninnies coming to town to blow each other, uh, and then uh, somehow his tax money is used on that. Exactly, and that—that's kind of what I'm trying to, you know.
0: Is I come from uh, you know a working class background. I didn't grow up in the arts, so I know when I hear uh, you know m- remarks from family members. So, and th- this is one of those cases. I I'm kind of thinking, yeah, yeah.
1: It doesn't look good.
0: So I just also want to tell you a couple of the unexpected costs that they accrued, which you should have been able to see. That's uh, kind of funny. Is they had all this artwork in Athens, Greece during the summertime. Uh, all the artwork needed to be climate controlled, and nobody really expected the amount of AC and the electric bills. So it sounds like the electric bills from the Athens side of this project uh, was a huge surprise, mm. meaning it's always taken place in Castle. They have those predicted variables are not so variable. When you do and it, it, it in a new city. so
1: fucking hot in Greece this summer. Yeah,
0: exactly. So um, I think they were saying on average is right around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So let's call that what, uh, 39 to 40? 36, 40...
1: 37 degrees. 37. On average, it was exactly. well over 40 for a period, a good period of time.
0: Exactly. So that was a huge part. There was also a statement about shipping costs. And I think in the news article they said that they have a report that one artwork cost up to six figures. So in the 100 thousand dollar range to ship oh, uh, yeah. which is absurd having dealt with enough shipping issues myself i know that you can ship a ship for a hundred thousand I mean, <laughs> yeah um and then there was one canadian artist who actually spoke out um in saying that she shipped a marble tent like a kind of a, a full-size tent made out of marble from canada to uh, I don't know if it was in Athens or in castle it doesn't really matter uh, too much on this, but it was right around eight thousand u s dollars and the Canadian Art Council paid for it so uh, there was two hundred plus artists right around two hundred and fifty artists and I would imagine that a majority received some type of funding in which transport was covered so there there's a lot I think of
1: money missing in this hundred grand for shipping is for one artwork
0: that's what they said
1: that does sound a little iffy i mean but they won't tell you which artwork or what the conditions were or anything like that
0: not in this it wasn't it was kind of a uh a buried line and you know in the tail end of an article which i'll uh you know we'll have links to and i'll and the, the podcast. So, you know, you can go look at all of this. It's on a handful of uh, websites. Eflux has some of the best descriptions on uh, what happened. Uh, they have a letter uh, also from the curators to kind of the, the public stating their position. There's also been another letter that came from the artists. But yeah, so I don't know if you want to add anything else to this or have any other smart ass remarks that you just want
1: to spew no but uh the schadenfreude is is particularly delicious on this one i'll wrap it up with that's my final comment on that one. schadenfreude yeah <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of by the way we appreciate you coming here we're just getting started so be sure to check us out on the facebook the instagrams the twitters the friendsters I forgot, the, the myspaces um the uh, local bulletin board at your cafe Etc. Etc.
0: Updates coming all the time on your Blueberry, exactly. your Nokia phone.
1: Blueberry? You mean BlackBerry? <laughs> oh, Blueberry, BlackBerry. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long it's been. <laughs> Um And we would uh, we'd also like to ask you to do us a favor. We really want to get the word out there, so please uh, tell friends who are interested in arts. Put it on your social medias. We'd really appreciate it. We want to get our listener numbers up here right from the get go.
0: The best way to help us out is actually go into iTunes and write the reviews. Reviews on iTunes are the currency of podcasts right now.
1: Give us a five stars, homie.
0: Homies out there. Uh, Look forward to talking to you guys uh, in about two weeks, hopefully with some uh, new news.
1: Cool. Thanks for checking in. See you next time.
0: All right. Bye.